for Marxists, social media should be viewed as a means to an end, one of many means to an end. And this end is educating the masses about the need for a proletarian revolution. Today is Sunday, January 10th. The year is 2021. This is No Easy Answers, and I am your host, Jules Taylor. Today, like all days, I have no easy answers for you. Well, thank you for tuning in from wherever you happen to be listening. My name is Jules Taylor, and this is No Easy Answers. And today on the show, I've got Rainer Shea. This is an emergency episode that we're just throwing together and putting out there as soon as possible. There's going to be very little editing done within our conversation because I thought that it was important that we get this message out sooner than later. Uh, It turns out Rainer Shea, who is an anti-imperialist journalist, uh, meaning that he writes blogs and creates articles that are in opposition to the imperialist projects of the United States. Now, given that there are the events that just happened on January 6th, there have been some internet crackdowns over subversive activity, shall we say. Um, But the thing is, is that whenever there's these sort of crackdowns, the left suffers for it as well. Um, Even though these are not the enemies they're looking for, the left still bears some brunt of these crackdowns as they happen. And I fear that this has happened to my friend Rainer, who again is a revolutionary socialist and has nothing to do with any of the things that happened on January 6th. He just somehow got flagged. And so I wanted to have this conversation about how he's responding to that, um, what his thoughts are on it. And also it would give us a chance to talk about the events that happened on January 6th as well, um, since we had not had a chance to cover any of that. Um, just another day in the life of an American in America, I suppose. Anyway, here's my conversation with Rainer Shea. All right, so welcome to the show, Rainer. It's good to have you back again, man. Um, a lot has happened, and we're just putting this out here as an emergency show because uh, a lot has gone down in the last few days from the storming of the Capitol, which we'll talk about that. Um, but the point of focus right now, and part of the reason why we're having this emergency show, um, is because I have Rainer Shea in the studio today. Rainer Shea has joined us, uh, and I wanted to talk to Rainer about what just happened now, um, which is Rainer has been kicked off Facebook. Um, so Rainer, how, how did you figure this out or what time of day was this or how did, was it your page? Past midnight, past midnight. I had just gone for a run and, and I was, I was thinking about my life. I was thinking about, uh, about how I need to, about how, how it's best to be non-reactive to things then this happened and i i did not i did not get upset like i have when i've been banned from facebook in the past because i know that facebook 
all these social media sites, they're, they're part of this big corporate game that's been set up that, uh, that these corporations are trying to manipulate us into being invested into. They, they want us to emotionally invest ourselves into the idea of, of getting successful on these platforms. But really, this is the, the post-2008 uh, manifestation of consumer culture. It's, it's an extension of this lifestyle obsession that's been ingrained into us over a course of generations where we're taught to, to get, seek validation through what the corporations tell us is, is valuable. And in the social media age, what's supposedly valuable is social media popularity. Right. I mean, there's, there's the whole Adorno media machine, media monster thing that is certainly uh, shaping us, influencing us uh, from the top down in ways that we don't even notice. And, you know, I I was concerned about when I heard about this. I was concerned on on two different fronts. Um, one, because I know you and, and and I consider you a friend, brother. So I when I talked to you, I like part of it was like you know, Rainer is a young guy, and Facebook, social media, at least Facebook takes up a large chunk of um, how young people communicate and get how they make their way in the world it, it, to a large degree. Um, I mean, it, I don't know who made Facebook the ambassador to the internet. You know, um, but certainly there is a lot of gateway keeping through Facebook uh, as one just browses the web. Uh, and, and, and two, I and this is where I'd like to focus and ask you about is like, does this? How does this impact your work in anti-imperialism, uh, your your journal, your outreach, and uh, perhaps engagement with your readers? Now I'm engaging with my readers primarily through Twitter, which isn't any better, obviously. Sure. I, we we should ultimately be moving towards towards types of communication that aren't based in the internet, because through the internet, the uh, the state can uh, can easily clamp down on the communications of the revolutionaries. I can uh, I can hopefully uh, get you to put out a link that's included with this episode, which uh, which includes a guide that uh, that can show us how to bring about the alternative communications methods that we'll need in the long term. Radio based communications. This link comes from the Indigenous Anarchist Federation. A few months ago, I found this uh, this excellent guide that uh, the Indigenous Anarchist Federation put out, which uh, gives us a uh, gives us uh, some instructions on what sorts of radio equipment to buy, how to manage them, and and why we'll we'll need them. In the long term, I expect all these social media sites, the internet in general, potentially to be shut down. In many areas, the military has been talking along these lines in its uh, its internal discussions about how it's going to handle a an internal class revolt. They want to ultimately impose an extreme censorship upon these these areas that these wars are going to be fought within, so that they can 
uh, force their official military propaganda onto the population and suppress journalists who have the potential to turn public opinion against the military. This is what it comes down to. In a conflict situation, the control over the flow of information is going to be vital. And we're going to need to be one step ahead of them through equipping ourselves with the radio-based communications that, uh, that uh, we're going to need in order to bypass their, their censorship regime. You asked for a call to action for me, and this is my call to action. Look at this, uh, look at this Indigenous Anarchist Federation page on, uh, on radio-based communications and buy the equipment and get, uh, get the proper knowledge on how to manage this equipment and equip your cadres with this equipment because at some point it's probably going to be your only option wow you know i haven't considered radio stuff and of course man we'll put any link you would like to have there including links to your journal and website and all the stuff that's still up um so you're so you're really thinking like is this ham radio operation stuff i mean i don't know any other type of uh small shortwave stuff to refer to uh than ham radio is that what you're talking about it seems to be what this this page is, is instructing people to move towards. Wow. Yeah, so we'll set the link at the show notes, man. Um, I see that on, on Medium lately, you've been writing uh, some pretty kooky articles, man, that are like, I am a normal person writing totally normal things. <laughs> and uh, it was cracking me up, just like there's a picture of you holding a, a copy of State and Revolution or What is to be Done or something, which is uh, it's pretty funny, brother. But um, so do you, Ultimately, man, I think that like after seeing the stuff that happened at the Capitol uh, and there was a sort of Twitter crackdown, um, I'm not sure how these I, I mean, I suspect the process of which accounts to eliminate are, are made in a combination of uh, spec people specifying and deliberate uh, nuking of accounts. But also there's like this algorithm sort of thing that happens that seems to just grab some people sometimes and so i i i want to say i think that's what happened to you and your stuff on facebook would you agree with that facebook told me that they banned me because my content was in violation of the terms of service but the thing is the several times that i had been banned from facebook prior to then i don't recall a statement that's that, that was equivalent to this those other times, it just seemed random, though also probably related to politics. As for this time around, it's, it, it coincides with a lot of, of recent social media crackdowns in these last few days. The, the banning of Trump and other right-wing nutcases has set a precedent for also banning anti-imperialists. Uh, you, you can look on the Twitter accounts of Ben Norton, no, I, th I think it might be B Max Blumenthal and Caitlin Johnstone, who have been documenting how tons of leftists and communist figures on Twitter have been banned lately, including Susie Dawson, one of the journalists who's, uh, who's heavily covered the WikiLeaks situation. Also, the Red... A podcast, I, I think it's called Red Scare Podcast, something along oh, those lines. Right. A bunch of these, a, a bunch of these accounts, they've been 
all of a sudden suspended. And your stuff is just gone. Your stuff is gone completely, though, right? On on Facebook, is that what, right. what I'm understanding? Shit, man. Um, and I mean, is that like was it your personal account, or did you have a page, or was it both of them come together, or my personal account, which I can, which is the only way that I can access the pages that I ran. Oh, gotcha! Wow. Oof. Do you so you don't even have a way to yourself to to browse and see if your page is still up? Like you had a page as well, is that correct? I can look at I can look at it through the the non logged in state or through right. one of friends through the proxy of one of my my personal sure, friends. Sure, right, right. Wow. Okay. Well, shit, man. Um, I'm really sorry that happened to you. Is I feel like. Uh, I mean, I, I, what I, everything I do is above ground, you know, I'm not, I, I, I suppose at a certain point I will be flagged for subversive activity. Um, but a lot of, you know, I, I would be devastated if my Facebook went down specifically because I'm a musician. And so my following primarily is on Facebook and that's so, um, I mean, there's a, the, the whole radio thing. I, I don't know that I'd ever like encourage my, uh, musician fans to, uh, take up shortwave radio waves, um, but definitely, I I can see where you're where you're coming from in that. Uh, it, I mean, I don't know that I could that I could make the reach that that current suspensions of accounts are going to. Uh, I I would I would say maybe in the long long term I could see parts of the internet being shut down in such a way to uh, necessitate ham radios. Um, but I, but I think that I mean it, that's that's really uh, that's an interesting uh, thing that you would that you would call to action to do, brother. You know, um, are you are you picking up ham radio yourself? Or are you buying into this stuff? So far, I've bought a couple of walkie-talkies that this Indigenous Anarchist Federation page has recommended I buy. So there's where I'm starting, and in the coming years, I'm going to continue build up. Uh, this uh, this armory of equipment, not just of uh, of radio materials, but of medical supplies, of uh, of armor, of the tools that I'm going to need to use to defend from the state or from uh, from people like the the types who just stormed the Capitol if they ever come for me. Right, this, I've I've seen lately. You've been you've been uh, doing some martial arts stuff too, or training at least. Is uh -huh. that right? Uh-huh. I, I just trained today. <laughs> right on, man. That's, you know, it, it's, I, I, yeah, I think we all need to be training to some degree. And I say that being a guy who does not train at all. And so when I look at the things that you write and the things that you say, and then now you're actually physically training, um, I mean, that puts a whole other level of seriousness and tension. And uh, so good for you, comrade, because I, 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 say a lot of shit and write a lot of stuff or whatever, but I don't know that I'm going to be trying to run long distances or uh, something to that end myself. Um, so, um, so the other side of this conversation, man, is uh, the whole, the, the thing of the capital, man, and I want to get your takes on stuff because uh, the way I've looked at it, I don't know if I want to, I don't even, I'm not even sure what to call it in a lot of ways. Like, was it, a, it, like, was it a coup? I don't think it was really a coup because 
one that was like not military two it wasn't occupied for a very long time um and you know there was it wasn't really even to overthrow anything as much as it was to just maintain the current regime in power and so i i think it that my reasons for not calling it a coup and on the other side i don't really think it was an insurrection either or at least um i it occurred at first it seemed like it, it wasn't uh i mean it was kind of unknown in the air whether it was what what the intentions were and even towards the end of things it didn't seem like there was intention for or at least in the first hour something i would like there was intentions for murders uh or for uh hostages or uh anything to that end and i think as the days after that have come to show there was some intent there for that sort of thing like there was uh, obviously a gallows that we found now there's uh the zip tie picture um people chanting hang mike pence um and i don't necessarily think we're out of the woods either like i think obviously there are other demonstrations and stuff planned as we get closer to inauguration and i kind of think it's insane that they're still planning an outdoor public inauguration to begin with um in the middle of a plague uh to 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 be moving forward with those plans is is wild in its own right but i, I wanted to get some thoughts from you brother and i i don't know if you agree with all that um but what are your takes on the whole capital situation i think it's a teachable moment for anybody like us who and anybody who who talks a, a lot of uh who talks a big game about defying the state these people are extremely overconfident and it's gotten a few of them killed. There was the guy who tased himself apparently right. in the groin until he died. There were two women who got killed. And it reminds me of something that happened a few months ago where uh, or an angry pro Trump guy at a protest somewhere tried to assault somebody and a security guard shot him and he immediately died. This is what we're dealing with in a lot of cases these right wingers who are so full of themselves so confident that they can uh, they can be warrior patriots then they rush into it without any proper precautions training and is, is they end up sabotaging themselves so this is fortunate for us, that a lot of these these militants are so incompetent in their militancy, and it should show us that if we're going to eventually try some kind of uh, insurrectionary action, if we're going to do a revolution in the United States, we're going to need to thoroughly train ourselves, plan our actions well, take the right precautions so that we don't get ourselves killed get we don't get anyone killed unnecessarily so that we don't handicap ourselves yeah you know i i, I think that uh, what was what i was thinking of in in a, a day or so after this was um this thought that historically what happened if like the american revolution failed you know like what happens if uh all of these uh american founding fathers what if they had i don't know what if the british came and beat their asses right and then the representation without taxation just 
got worse from there. And let's say they, they you know, the, the British really took out uh, like some retribution and now everyone suffered more in their oppression in the colonies, you know, uh, their cause, the, them, their reputations, uh, everything about them would not be as historically deified or any of that at this point. Like the hist- history would feel negative towards them. And, and so I, not that yesterday, not that the, the events of January 6th were revolutionary, not that the events were um, anything other than a, a, you know, it was a testament to the sort of incoherence and uh, an incompetence that sort of is a flow through uh, the political right in general. Um, but there, I, I feel like, you know, we, we're seeing Republicans in Congress call for resignations. We're seeing, uh, kind of, I mean, not that the political left didn't already feel, uh, you know, not that, not, not that they didn't already feel adversarial and, and, and we don't like the right, obviously. Um, but it, there's, they're really being excoriated now at this point, uh, to a point where they're going to be seen as largely dangerous, toxic, and this sort of, uh, it, it, they're almost like they're, I mean, the the left is, or the, the the political left, Democrats are are getting more and more comfortable with the idea of pushing everything that is the political right out of the sphere in, in such a way that, like, I don't know. I just think that, like, their reputations, who they are, and their incoherence and incompetence is on full display, and the concept of unity is kind of. Uh, ridiculous as a even more so or more people are getting comfortable with the concept of unity being a ridiculous thing and leftists and revolutionaries who knew that all along are uh, watching that as well or, or you know so um but yeah so anyway you can take that anywhere you want it sounds like you're you're getting at the process of polarization in a society that's that's in decline in a in a society that's suffering from increasing wealth inequality and structural dysfunction exacerbated by the pandemic and other factors in this environment the the polarization is getting so extreme that that a lot of things are getting revealed about individuals like where they stand in the class war it's it, it's not just that these right wingers are revealing themselves to be fascists. It's that a lot of these liberals are revealing themselves to be on the side of uh, oppression and of uh, of imperialism, of of colonialism, and uh, and this this corporate tyranny. For for instance, AOC didn't force the vote. The, the squad has not really been willing to to stand up to pelosi and and this comes at a time of uh of increasing class struggle class tensions and obviously right now medicare for all is what could potentially save hundreds of thousands of lives all of these uh, these class contradictions are getting exposed and now we're seeing the in some cases violent ramifications of this do you think we're going to see something 
similar to the storming of the Capitol, do you, do you think something like that's going to happen as we get closer to inauguration or on inauguration day? Like, it, I mean, I'm not asking you to predict the future, but uh, it seems probable to me at this point that we have not seen the last of uh, some sort of uh, counter-revolutionary uprising sort of insurrection activity happening between now and then. I saw a headline that said there's plans armed protests. I don't know if there were armed protests. I might might be misremembering it, but further a further insurrectionary event planned for the 17th. Right. So if we're talking about this now, uh, I mean, you know, here's the thing, though, man, is that I think that the the information dissemination on this event has been bizarre because there haven't been press conferences. There haven't been uh it, just the normal way we would receive updates about all of this uh is not normal and things are missing out of it um like not having any sort of like homeland security people coming straight to a podium for a press conference to talk about this thing during the any of it uh is really bizarre and the and so the more i thought about that the more i think that there is a there is an issue of entanglement which is coming to the front as well, um, in that it, the reason why people are not, and journalists and photographers and such are not comfortable on Capitol Hill right now is because they feel unsafe, is because it not necessarily the events, but that they don't know who to trust and they don't know if the Capitol Hill Police Department is going to keep them safe. Um, and, and what I'm ultimately getting to is this infusion of white supremacist and Trump supporting ex-military police officers uh that sort of that faction that we always knew was there that we've said is there and that there have been studies on by the government that prove is there um is now gotten to a point where they can't tell who's actually going to protect them because it seems really obvious that obviously the cops were in on it to allow these protesters to run through the capital so i think Part of the reason why we're not seeing anything familiar in terms of dissemination of information out of this event is due to the infusion of these factions that ultimately caused the attempted riot, coup, insurrection, whatever you want to call it. Um, what do you think about that? Point out some things that I've been focusing on in these last couple of years, the, the reality that the radical right in the United States is so heavily intertwined with law enforcement. There's these 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 phenomenons where these uh, they even embrace similar symbolism. You know, the Punisher skull, right. the blue line flag. A lot of these these ex-military people or, or go to work in private security or go to go to work in the the police, law enforcement, and they, along with these radical right-wing protesters, they use the the Punisher skull, which is uh, another testament to their incoherence ideologically, since apparently the Punisher is anti-police. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, you know, the Punisher is anti-police um, and everything down to the uh, don't tread on me right next to a blue Lives Matter flag, the incoherence side by side that goes unrecognized by them is a testament to just the incoherence that runs through the entire right. Um, you know, so I, I look at things like the issues of white supremacist uh, being in law enforcement and uh, obviously kind of working with that mob of people at the Capitol. I look at that as one issue that we could talk about. Um, but I also look at, and I think people are absolutely right about this, how um, this breaching of the Capitol is going to lead to something like a Patriot Act 2.0 like a, an amplification of the surveillance state, um, which arguably, you know, the reason why we're talking uh, right now with Facebook uh, taking your stuff down, um, that could be part of that as well. Um, but what sorts of amplifications of the surveillance state do you think we should expect for uh, resulting out of the fallout of this events of the Capitol? It's going to help them in narrative terms in in terms of their effort to manufacture consent for the intensification of the surveillance state that they've long been planning since 2018 with the the, the creation of this uh, this new agency that molded officially molded big tech with the intelligence community i forget its name it's something about national security Artificial Intelligence Commission, that might be its name. This commission plans to uh, to enact a lot of radical, alarming mass surveillance infrastructure. They plan to install a lot of infrastructure along these lines, such as streets blanketed with cameras, such as creating an Internet of Things where all of our daily appliances, not just the phones and iPads monitor us, such as uh, creating self-driving cars that, that potentially could function as yet another surveillance tool, essentially incorporating computers into our lives and making everything cyber with the, the purpose of uh, in making the surveillance state a lot more thorough. This is the next logical step in this this uh this trend towards mass surveillance and uh and techno tyranny that we've been witnessing in these last couple of decades and this this incident is going to provide the biden administration with rhetorical ammunition to justify these mass surveillance measures yeah i i mean i definitely think that there is a sort of siloing of the individual happening. And what I mean by that is, uh, I mean, Peter Coffin has a great video out uh, about uh, alienation recently and how this sort of, uh, what he calls like, or I don't know if he calls it this, but like this sort of neoliberal technopia sort of thing where we're all siloed individually in our apartments and the worker rolls over out of bed and he's in his office and you know you 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 there's this new thing called zoom fatigue and so you sit there on zoom all day and the new yorker creates this uh cover i'm not sure if you saw a cover of a 
person sitting at a desk uh, with some books underneath a laptop with a drink and she's dressed from just the top up and there's like, you know, food containers on the floor. And it's like this commodification of alienation, repackaging alienation uh, that is at, like at repackaging it and selling it back to you is saying like alienation is now the relatable thing because we're all alienated and the normalization of that of just being what is at this point um and so i i think there is something to the sort of uh making everything online the datafication uh with data being a commodity itself um sort of becoming a you know it's kind of like uh like like what what Lenin said is in like uh, in imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism, when he talks about how finance is being becoming the the commodities themselves, or you know, financing taking its own the finance itself taking on its own life, its own market uh, as its kind of highest stage. Um, it, we're seeing that with data, where everything has to be in forms of data, and then that data itself is a commodity which people sell in order to sell things back to you um so i i totally get where you're coming from on the surveillance state and i think it's only going to get worse and bigger at the same time in this sort of siloed quarantine uh social distancing everything done over zoom uh society that we have become at this point um so i i wanted to also ask you about you know do you think that I mean, do you think that basically what we saw at the Capitol is a, is like a fight between the petty bourgeoisie and the bourgeoisie? Like, these are people, like the guy who had his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, uh, that dude also got a paycheck protection loan, as it turns out. And I think these are the same people that would show up on the Capitol steps driving 2019 and 2020 Dodge Rams. You know, it's it's not the working class holding five thousand dollar rifles, uh, you know, at, at, on Capitol steps. It's not who else can fly across the country in the middle of the week during a pandemic, and um, and 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 afford to take that time time that kind of time off and storm the Capitol. You know, um, do you, so do you do you think this is like a some infighting between the petty bourgeoisie and the bourgeoisie? It certainly exposes the internal contradictions of capitalism. It, it it exposes how this this type of infighting within the imperialist power structure has gotten to the point where they're they're kind of sabotaging themselves, despite the the efforts from the bourgeoisie to exploit this towards more censorship and surveillance. It shows how this society of ours, which is is built upon colonial genocide and which maintains itself through colonial genocide, is as fractured into these these camps. Uh, and one of these camps is is so zealous in uh, believing that they're they have the right political line that they're they're. Uh, their approach to the colonial genocide is the right approach, that they're willing to, to throw out any semblance of democracy and uh, try to violently crush the opposing side. Yeah, they're, they're definitely res- able to resort to violence, and, and they are definitely 
better trained, equipped, armed. Uh, the right has always had uh, the arms part of the battle um, as their advantage, I would think. Um, one thing I get, I you know, the one thing I started thinking about, and, and I felt, I saw some anti-fascists, some videos of anti-fascists out in New York today, and I kept thinking, man, this is like not our battle. You know, like, like this is not the working class's battle. This is, this is a fight between business owners, uh, kind of the merchant class, if you will, and the ruling class. This is not even strictly along class lines. This is, um, like this is this is more racial dominance lines is what this is it mixed in with class uh contradiction you know like these folks are partly mad because maybe maybe a sh a small bit of it could be some economic anxiety sure but but a lot of it is just settler colonialism uh feeling like they're upset that they do not have racial dominance in addition to any sort of elevated place on the hierarchy that it's a matter of like this country being theirs to the degree that they are higher on the social uh on the social ladder um or maybe based on a negative notion of freedom is that in that they're not so upset that they uh they're not so upset at their place on the social hierarchy ladder as much as they don't want other people that are along different racial lines to occupy similar spaces on the social ladder. Um, so I was listening to historian Gerald Horn today talk a little bit about this, and he and, and he brought up an interesting point, and I wanted your take on how, like, these people are not like social democrats waiting to come out of the closet like if they went in and 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 passed medicare medicare for all and uh 20 minimum wage or whatever and you could measure ways objectively that these people's lives would get better it's not doesn't make any difference to fascists it doesn't make any difference to uh people whose grievances are not along class lines but along racial lines and so i guess what i'm trying to say is that increasingly there is like in a whole other world to make them happy maybe medicare for all for whites only might appease them if you're which is a funny thing to think of it's it's tragic honestly but yeah so it's based off a more negative notion of freedom um and i guess what i'm what i'm asking you is like what the fuck do we what is the plausible in your estimation like if given the the current like one of first of all, this is not our fight, and I feel like do you, should we stay away from this shit? Like anti-fascists out there in the street, I, I hate to think to let these guys roam loose, but I also think this is like not our fight, and maybe shouldn't get involved in this sort of petty bourgeois ruling class bickering that happens. You know, I, mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, brother? We should get involved in so far as we can protect the vulnerable people. And so far as these these uh, these fascists threaten to to scapegoat and violently attack people of color, LGBT people, etc. Uh, apparently, uh, a black person was recently assaulted amidst all of this. Mm. So we should we should form community defense patrols, something like that. This is this is. 
the first practical application of what I'm talking about in terms of getting uh, getting armed and trained. We need to protect our communities from the people who wish to enact racial terrorism and more broadly political type terrorism. Right. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. So, I mean, you know, strong neighborhoods make police obsolete, you know, so. I'm struck by how we essentially came to the same conclusion about social media, about how the there's been this commodification of the social ills that that people are are feeling that people have especially been feeling in the post 2008 era where uh, the uh, the economic deprivation that so many have felt has furthered the the social fragmentation that neoliberalism has been creating for uh, for people in this society and so social media has stepped in provided people with a means to project a phony uh, public image, perhaps of wealth or uh, or or be- being carefree or uh, or being somebody who's who's worthy of a narcissistic worship. It's it's preyed upon people's anxieties and insecurities in this age, and this is getting more pronounced in the COVID nineteen age. All the while, the surveillance and censorship. Uh, they, they, it's all tied in. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think that. Uh, I mean, Peter Coffin would say that this is like this has been their plan the entire time, was to sort of atomize, alienate, and just sort of silo the individual within a constant surveillance and datafication. I, you know, I, I want to do a show on the Panopticon and how. Um, that concept grew. Uh, I've been working on some how that ties in with like some Gramsci and Althusser, A um, because I think that and maybe some Foucault in there too because I feel like I, I feel like you know I was just I was just talking about this recently about how when you buy a product do you buy that product or did that product draw you to it to have it bought because there are certain decision making and moral calculus moral calculations that happen when you go and you find the all wheat cracker that's uh ethically i don't know grown that is uh that has you know they got the these coffee beans from a very happy uh slightly exploited farmer in south america sort of thing like but you come to this moral calculus to pick out this one specific brand and as much as uh, it's a false expression of individuality within capitalism, you know, like you can't express individuality through the products that you buy. Uh, but it's but how much to what degree does that product shape you in that now you take on the expression of what that product you bought that product so that you could take on the expression of what that product communicates in a way, you know, so there's a lot of psychological stuff around that. Um, but it's partly because I spend a lot of time thinking whenever I'm in the grocery store, like I can't, the, the potato chip aisle to me, uh, really throws me off my mental game because I, I can't stop thinking in the potato chip aisle about how we don't have a, a social welfare we don't have a social network, like a, a social safety net, but we do have like 500,000 different types of potato chips. 
And so the sort of anarchy of production within society that capitalism creates, uh, these crises of abundance, uh, it's, it's just part of the embracing what the existentialist called the absurd. It's that, you know, I can enjoy Mountain Dew Sorbet, but I can't have a social safety net or I can't have uh, guaranteed health care or I, I can't, uh, you know, not worry about my black friends getting shot in the street. Uh, so there's a lot of, I don't know, a lot of philosophy in that. Um, but yeah, I definitely think this was this was designed and this was and this I mean is in this atomized, alienated datification of you know the working class into being uh in their apartments siloed and deprived of deprived further of meaningfulness through the social aspects of their lives. Um so now you don't even get that thing which is redemptive of the job that you hate, which is the people that are at the job that maybe justify that make things okay. You know, you don't get any social interaction at this point. Um, and I'm not saying that that isn't in part of the pandemic, but it certainly is um, a little added bonus for the designers of whatever uh, neoliberal, siloed, updatified, Zoom-fatigued uh, society we've become. Right. Social media is another product another one of the products that you're describing and the pitch that this product makes is to be larger than life to have the kind of power that you really lack as a a citizen under capitalism let's let's break this uh, this illusion that social media is is an a, an end to uh, a means well, social media is, uh, for Marxists, social media should be viewed as a means to an end, one of the many means to an end. And this end is educating the masses about the need for a proletarian revolution. Right. I mean, I look at it as a tool for outreach, you know, like it's, it's, whereas you may, I don't know, man, I, I look at it as a tool for outreach. Like I, I try to post enriching episodes. I try to create that stuff and make it available through there and disseminate what I do to the world through it. Um, and I try to not have the inverted experience of that of like, I don't know, I'm not going to take, I don't take too many selfies and post that kind of stuff. You know, I just, we all do to a certain extent. Um, but right on, man. I Listen, I'm sorry about your, your Facebook account and shit going down today. I think it's, uh, it's a casualty of, uh, you know, I, I think we're both obviously in agreement that like private companies can do what they want to do with their private stuff. You know, that's kind of part of it. Uh, uh, of course, we, uh, I, I, I wouldn't call it uh, censorship by way of like, it's just one platform that has, you know, thrown you off of it. It's not the entire internet. It's not a wave of different uh, platforms, uh, you know, all canceling you at once or something, you know. Um, but I, but I do think that I mean, is are you going to other social media platforms to disseminate your stuff uh, as a replacement for Facebook at this point? In addition to Twitter, I'm on MeWe. I've I've become active on MeWe. I'm also going to start more regularly producing videos on YouTube, in addition to the weekly podcast that I have with 
Chris Driscoll. Yes, and don't forget to look at the link to the Indigenous Anarchist Federation page that I'm going to provide, Jules, the one about seeking out radio-based communication. Well, that's it for episode 17 of No Easy Answers. As always, you can send your comments, concerns, criticisms, or vitriol to noeasyanswerspodcast at gmail. Support for No Easy Answers comes from listeners just like you, so if you haven't done so already, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast at www.anchor.fm forward slash noeasyanswers and click the support button. Look for us on Reddit if you'd like to join the discussion. Look for us on Discord if you'd like to chat for a while. Or join us on Patreon if you would like to support us at an elevated level. Until next time, thanks so much for everything. Thanks to everybody who supports the show already. Couldn't do it without you. Thanks for helping me get this emergency podcast episode out the door and into your ears. Take care, all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals.